Lay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Christopher Dempsey of the Denver Post, and this is Locked on Nuggets, the new podcast that uh, is starting right now, right this very second. And I couldn't be more excited about the venture, about sharing this journey with you, about talking a whole lot of Nuggets basketball. So that's what we're going to do on this podcast. Uh, I'm the Nuggets beat writer for the Denver Post, have been at the Denver Post for 13 years, covering the Nuggets for the vast majority of those years. And I don't know of any subject better than basketball to talk about. I just don't know if if that really exists, not in my world anyway. So we're going to talk a lot of basketball on this podcast. We're going to talk a lot of Nuggets. Uh, and I'm very proud and humbled and very pleased to be part of the Locked On Sports Network. David Locke, who's done his Locked On Jazz podcast for a while now, is spreading that brand across the NBA, allowing a lot of us to bring you very cool and informative uh, and very uh, detail-oriented podcasts about the teams that you love the most. And, you know, that's uh, I think it's a worthwhile thing. And I'm very, very happy to be part of the Locked On Sports family. So the Nuggets is what we're going to do here. This podcast is going to do, it's going to be my thoughts about what's going on, certainly information about what's about the team. It's going to be interviews. It's going to be your questions as well. This is not just a one-way street. We'd love to hear what you think about subjects. We'll answer those questions. We'll do all of those things uh, as we go forward in the weeks on this podcast the nuggets and you know how they're playing uh, listen the, the fact that they're their fourth seed is 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 a good thing for them you know for especially for a young team that's trying to establish uh, some sort of a winning culture it's good that they're able to get down there and figure out ways to win some of those games they get a bye in the first round of this tournament stage and they will resume play on thursday at 6 p.m uh here in denver but uh, let's just start with Jamal Murray because he's the number seven draft pick uh, for the Nuggets and certainly has the most eyes on him. I think his his tournament has been a very interesting one and when you when you look at it and kind of dissect what he's been able to do. Obviously, it was a little uneven to begin, uh, you know, the, the 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 summer league, you know, portion of 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 things. And you know, I just think sometimes you look at players and and the pressure they put on themselves to live up to a certain thing. So for Jamal Murray, that thing is shooting. And so what I thought that we saw early on was he was going to go out and prove that he could shoot the basketball. And the thing about it is, is we know he can shoot the basketball. He had to be able to calm down and settle in and get comfortable and play basketball within the kind of the team concept within the offense that uh, summer league coach Mike Nori is is teaching and running and then uh, you know and then finding his shots within that system the one thing I thought was really good to see from him was going from a space where he was kind of firing away from the three-point line to a space where Okay, now he's a scorer, and now he's getting the ball into the lane, collapsing the defense, uh, 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 finishing with floaters uh, in, in one of the games uh, in this twenty-nine point game against uh, Miami, uh, getting into the lane, and then the the the, the no look one hand pass uh, down low, 
all things that we need to see from him because he was the most well-rounded scorer of the guys at the top of the draft. So, you know, when you talked about Buddy Heald, he was a just a, a, a marksman from three, right? He was the kind of guy that you kick it out to him, he's knocking down that, a knockdown three-point shooter. Uh, who can kind of get to the basket sometimes, but that really wasn't the bulk of his game. His game was three-pointers, especially in transition, uh, kind of pulling up and making the defense pay for not paying attention to him, not uh, keeping close enough attention to him. And uh, he shot 45% as, as, as a senior at the University of Oklahoma. Now, Jamal Murray profiled a lot more as an all-around scorer. Now, he what he was able to do from the three-point line was really, really good. You're talking about 113 threes uh, in his freshman season at the University of Kentucky. So he can shoot the basketball. But I think, you know, in the, especially in the film study that I did of him early on, uh, a pre-draft film study, it was he, he jumped off the film in terms of having the kind of game that translated to being an overall very good scorer. So he could get to the rim and finish. He could come off a screen and knock down off screen uh, uh, jump shots, whether they be three point shots or whether they be mid range jumpers. Uh, he was effective in transition. He could handle the ball and make plays. Although there were uh, a lot of times during uh, his freshman season that when he was the primary ball handler, uh, he turned the ball over probably a little bit more than certainly coach Calipari would have liked uh, that come that came out on film. And I think actually we saw a little bit of that come out here early on in summer league as well. So the handle will have to continue to to improve with Jamal Murray. But uh, just in terms of being a, the uh, an all around scorer, I just think that we've seen the 29 point effort certainly put that more on display. He didn't shoot the ball great in that game. He just didn't. Uh, but what he did show you was he can make all the shots. He will stick to his game. He will not get discouraged if things don't go well in stretches of a game. And then one of the things I personally like and I personally wrote about, uh, which was uh, showing that emotion, showing that fire. You know, he looked at, at Damian Lee you know, at one point in the second half and they were kind of going back and forth and, you know, he wanted to put points on them. And I think that's good for the Nuggets. You know, they they have a lot of guys who are very effective players who keep things very even keel. And that's fine. That's, you know, you don't want to get too high or too low in a game or over, over the course of a season because, you know, you just don't want your, your emotional swings just can't be that great over a six and a half, seven month span. But I think, Having guys on the team, having a guy, especially the guy that can score, uh, that that may project as your leading scorer one day, as, they, as your go-to guy, wanting to go out and give somebody 30, it's a big deal. And it's a big deal for a Nuggets team that can, could use that injection of emotion, that injection of swagger, uh, that injection of edge uh, on on their roster, so you know, I, I think by and large, Jamal Murray's summer league is going fairly well. You know, he's showing that he can do all the little things, and so now, you know, you take what you did well in summer league, what you didn't do well, you get back in the lab over the course of the rest of the off season, and then into training camp, and now you're working on those things in your game that need to be shored up. So I think it's been a, a I think it's been a decent start. Obviously hasn't been a, a phenomenal start, but I think it's been a very solid decent start uh, for Jamal Murray here in Summer League. I think the player that I've probably been most impressed with is Juancho Hernan Gomez. Uh, he's been it's been an eye-opening thing, you know, watching him kind of operate 
uh, over the entire court. And, you know, I, I think what we knew about Wancho was his ability to shoot the ball as a stretch four, perhaps in some small lineups, maybe a stretch five, but more as a stretch four. And, uh, you know, he was part of that draft night haul that the Nuggets pulled in uh, of players that could shoot the ball. They wanted to raise their shooting profile. They brought in a bunch of guys who can shoot the ball. Juancho Hernan Gomez was one of them. And so we kind of knew that going in. And he shot, he, I don't think he shot the three as, as well just quite yet, uh, you know, in, in the summer league. But I think the one thing he has shown is a very well developed overall game. So. Yeah, we know he can shoot the ball from three-point range. That's he'll start knocking those down, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. But I think the ability to uh, put the ball down, left hand, right hand, dribble drive to the rim, um, the the ability to to mix it up on the post, on the block, uh, to get offensive boards, to clean the defensive rebounds, um, offensive to attack that offensive glass and get putbacks. These are things that I think are. Uh, very. If you're the Nuggets, you have to be very, very pleased with what you've seen out of him. He he looks a lot more polished than I think anybody gave him credit for coming into uh, the the draft and then coming in out of the draft. And he's just been a very pleasant surprise. Looks like the kind of guy who can also make very good decisions with the basketball uh, as a passer, especially from the top of the key. You want to use him as a trailer. Okay, so uh, he's trailing on a fast break and he catches the ball. Maybe the three-point shot's not there, but maybe the cutter into the lane is, and he's been, been able to deliver that pass on time and on target. I just think all of these little things are what we have to be looking for in evaluating some of these players not so much on a possession to possession basis but taking kind of the whole in summer league summer league to me is a uh it's a forest you know you you you, it's not each individual tree it's not in each individual branch it's more kind of a forest of things kind of when you step back and look at the big picture of how a player performed and then there's always the context of who this player is, what he projects to be, uh, what he needs to work on. So for instance, if you're Emmanuel Moutier or Gary Harris, I thought that the games that they played in summer league, they should definitely dominate those games. You know, Gary Harris is going into his third year in the NBA. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier is going into his second year in the NBA. And when you're those guys and when you're starters on your basketball team during the regular season, you come back into summer league, you know, the year after your rookie year or the year after your second year, and you ought to be able to take over games, certainly in big stretches, put big numbers up, especially if you're the kind of guy that project uh, projects as to be, uh, you know, the, the, the dominant kind of player. And I just thought from Emmanuel Moutier's standpoint, what he was able to do in that first game was really, really good. And i tell you what, you know, he, we, we know the areas that he has to continue to work on, right? So it's shooting. He has to continue to do that, though he shot the ball pretty well down the stretch of the regular season. He's got to continue to work on his ball handling. Uh, those are, the, to me, the top two things he's got to work on. Uh, and then defensively, he's got to continue to shore up his defensive game. But so he was challenged early on by Chris Dunn in game number one, right? The, uh, the, the, the rookie for the Minnesota Timberwolves, a very in-your-face, pressure defense kind of guy, gets right on up and fulfills exactly every expectation of what he is as a defensive player against Emmanuel Moutier. Hounds him, harasses him, gets a steal. Uh, you know, very, very aggressive on-ball defender. And I just thought that that was a good wake-up call for Emmanuel Moutier because 
he's it, it's this is one of the areas that he's got to continue to improve on taking care of the basketball not just uh, you know in, in in all areas you know i think for, for him it also stretches into making good decisions on the pass but first and foremost you know not getting the ball stolen from you being able to withstand the pressure of the defender still get your team into the offensive set that it needs to be running and so uh, after a few early minutes where I just thought he, you know, Chris Dunn showed him that, look, you know, I'm, I'm a rookie, but I'm here to play. And man, Yamudier settled down and got control of that situation and had a really, really good game in a lot of areas. You're talking about points, uh, rebounds, assists, uh, a very good performance from him. Likewise for Gary Harris. And, you know, for him, the challenge is going to be how productive can he be? You know, it, it's he was right around 12, 13 points a game last season, but he played 32 minutes a game. And this is where it gets a little dicey when you're evaluating Gary Harris. So the question is, one of the stats that I love to, uh, to, 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 to look at to use as a, you know, as a piece of my evaluation is the per 36 numbers. And for Gary Harris, his per 36 numbers didn't grow a ton because he was almost playing 36 minutes a game last year. So the question with Gary Harris is, you know, how much more productive can he be? Now, I think his shot selection, his shot uh, uh, taking, he needs to take more shots in the game. He was hovering right around nine or 10 a game. That's got to grow. He Otherwise, he shot it to a pretty good percent. You know, he was mid 40s. Uh, he was mid thirties to mid 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 thirties and on on the three point line as well, and so for him, especially going into this season, which I think is a pretty big season for him. Last season was a good season; it was a big season for him, and I you know made note of that in, in several columns in the Denver Post about how he, from a standpoint of they had to find out if he could play on this level for real. He didn't play much under under Brian Shaw. And obviously, you know, that took a little bit of a toll on his confidence, but the slate was wiped clean with the with with Michael Malone when he came in. Michael Malone played him, played him a lot. And I think as a baseline, as a foundation for what Gary Harris is, last season was a very, very good season for him. Now, the question is, that was the one question. The first question was, can he play on this level? Check mark, question answered. The the answer to that is yes. Part two to that now is how productive can he be? Can he be for a team that needs extra shooting? Can he be part of that solution uh, to the shooting problem? Can he give them 15 or more points from the two-guard position? And that is where we are now this season. Are his, the, 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 the team has already said he's going to be the starting two-guard this season, and I, I think that's going to be the case. You know, the, the question is, is, is he their two guard for the distant future? Not not just this season. This season is, uh, you know, for, for Jamal, uh, Jamal Murray, even though he came in as the, the number seven draft pick and uh, he's a two guard shooter, uh, you know, it, it's it's still going to be somewhat of a learning process for him. Gary Harris is the established veteran, has had success already. You put that guy in your lineup, especially when you're continuing, as the Nuggets are trying to do, continuing to try to uh, put a winning product on on the court and continuing to try to lay down that foundation of uh, discipline and, and defense and, and, and efficiency on offense. So uh, he's got to start this year. I mean, that I, I think there's... Uh, 
near you know no two ways about it barring a you know otherwise spectacular performance from Jamal Murray in the in in, in training camp and then through the preseason so Gary Harris is your starting two guard and for him this season becomes big just in terms of okay now how productive can you be now can you be the two-way player can you do you have the energy to be able to uh, you know, put up 15, 18 points in a game, still be a top flight defender uh, on the perimeter, which the Nuggets really do need him to continue to be. Uh, he proved to be that last year uh, and they need him to continue to be that, you know. So part of what he was going through last year also was just playing so many more minutes. What kind of toll that takes on your body? What ha- what you have to do on a game to game basis to get yourself ready to play? How you're going to feel uh, on a game to game basis, on a month to month basis, so all those kinds of things he was going through, as Will Barton was going through, as a number of players on that roster, uh, the younger players were going through. So now that he's got that under him, now he's got to be able to take this next step, which for him I think is a huge step because it's going to ultimately decide whether he plays out the majority of his NBA career as a starting player or if he becomes kind of a uh, microwave uh, Vinnie Johnson guy who you bring off the bench for instant scoring uh, and then certainly shoring up your defense off the bench as well. So uh, from that standpoint, I think this season means that for Gary Harris. But to start that off, you know, you have to show that you are able to dominate in a summer league situation. And he was able to do that. And he looked it looked pretty much effortless uh, in, in the game that he played. So uh, very good stuff from those two players, I think, right off the bat when you're talking about the game they played in summer league, the example they set for for some of the younger players. Uh, two other guys uh, I'm going to touch on here before we move on to a, a couple of other subjects. Uh, one is Jimmer Fredette. And I get a lot of questions about Jimmer and will he be on the Nuggets team or what are his NBA prospects? All of these uh, questions kind of surrounding a player that is, uh, you know, he, there's a lot of interest surrounding him and 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 for good reason. You're, you're talking about one of the great college shooters that we've seen. And, uh, you know, he didn't all of a sudden stop shooting. He didn't all of a sudden forget how to shoot. And I think for Jimmer Fredette, it's been a good summer league uh, for him. I, you know, the thing about him, he's got to remind everybody that, yes, he can shoot the ball. And. I think he's done that by and large. You know, he's not going to forget how to shoot the ball. You get Jimmer Fredette open, he's going to knock down a shot. He's a knockdown shooter. The question with Jimmer Fredette really are the things kind of around the shooting, and a few things in particular. One, ball handling. Can you, can, does he have his handle to a situation now where he can face the pressure? He's not turning the ball over under the pressure, whether it be from one defender or in a trap situation. He can kind of uh, dribble out of that, make the right play. Can he do that on the regular basis and, st- and, and not turn the ball over and put you know the team in bad situations uh, more often than not? That's a big, big thing for him. Two, can he run the offense? Can you give him the ball and and he run a team, get him into actions, not take the not not uh, you know you know kind of take matters into his own hands and and kind of put shots up. In, in a situation where, you know, maybe he could have uh, run a little bit more offense. Can he run a team? Can he get into the pick and roll? Can he get into the teeth of a defense and collapse a defense? Can he make the right pass out of that defense? Um, these kind of things that make point guards, and he will be playing point guard. I mean, he'd be, I mean, you could play him off the ball as well, obviously, as a catch and shoot guy. 
Um, uh, but your point guard better be of, of pretty good size or you might be at a little bit of a deficiency defensively uh, with two of you know smaller players on the court at your guard position. So, uh, you know, I, I think at point guard, he's got to be able to, to continue to show that he can run run a team, not just shoot a basketball, that he can get into those, get into actions, get out of actions, not turn the ball over. Uh, and, and when he continues to do that, he'll be a lot more valuable, a lot more valuable commodity to, to all the, uh, you know, evaluators in Las Vegas, uh, looking at him because, you know, listen, this is a good time for Jennifer Fredette. He's a shooter in a league that is, is valuing shooting in a way it never has before. And so right there alone, that's going to get him looks that maybe he didn't, he wouldn't even gotten six years ago. Think about how much the NBA has changed even in the five or six years since he came out of BYU. There's such a huge emphasis on shooting, on um, being able to spread defenses out, um, being able to, to create mismatches, to be able to move the ball and have multiple threats uh, on on the court and around the perimeter. And I think for him, this is the perfect scenario for him to uh, be able to break back in the NBA in a big way. He played six games last year. He split those six games between two teams, New Orleans uh, and the New York Knicks. Uh, but in terms of being a significant player, a guy who gets time, who gets 20, 25 minutes a game or more, He's got to be able to to start to shore up some of the uh, of of the the gaps in his game. Uh, the last one being defense, and you know I, I think we know he's not going to be a lockdown defender. But what Jimmer Fredette can be is a scrappy defender, uh, a a guy who fights through the screens, who um, keeps the feet moving. You he he must show fight on that side of the court, and he said so. He's he said it in uh, multiple interviews. Uh, he understands that he's got to show fight and, and some effectiveness on that side of the court as well. So uh, for Jimmer Fredette, this has been a, a, a huge summer league. It's going to continue to be a huge summer league as long as the Nuggets are playing in it because he's putting himself on display for the teams, uh, the rest of the teams in the NBA. I mean, this is not a situation where he's probably going to be on the Nuggets roster uh, in the fall. This is going to be a situation where he's going to be on somebody else's roster in the fall. And the only way he's going to convince the decision makers to do that is to is is by what he the film he puts on the court here in summer league, which right now has been has been good. He he's got to continue uh, to to do some convincing, but he he's been good uh, so far. Uh, certainly through the quote unquote regular season portion of the uh, NBA NBA summer league here in Las Vegas. Then you have Josh Adams, and Josh Adams to me is one of the great stories because he's getting a lot of time and you don't necessarily see um you know the undrafted free agent local product all of a sudden getting 14 minutes 15 minutes playing in very critical stretches of the game not just not just at the end of blowouts either way but being a regular part of the rotation. And I just think it's really been a real, a job well done by Josh Adams so far, uh, the Wyoming product as to how, how he's conducted himself on the court, what he's been able to do. Uh, and he just needs to keep on going. You know, I, I think, uh, what he's been able to do is, uh, you know, put 
a lot of little pieces of everything on the court. So uh, he's put the shooting on the court. He can, he can make a shot from three-point range. Uh, he can get into the teeth of the defense. He can finish at the rim. Uh, he's good in transition. Um, he's been able to show that he can run an offense. He can get the Nuggets into uh, their sets, get them going offensively, uh, and then be very efficient in the offensive end. He just has to continue to improve and get better at all of those things. But the fact that he's on the court, the fact that he made it to the court as fast as he did uh, speaks volumes. And I think those are the little things that when you're watching Summer League to dial in on because – uh, these coaches aren't putting players on, you know, the, the summer league coaches first priority is to put their own products on the court. So whether that be the draft picks, uh, current players on the roster, those guys get first dibs and those guys get the majority of the run, you know, depending on what the plan for each of one of those players is. Then you start to filter into everyone else on the roster, the undrafted free agents, the guys who just come from everywhere else. And, that's where Jimmer Fredette is coming from. This is where Josh Adams is coming from. And, I, you know, to be on the court this early and this much uh, for him is, is, a, is a big, big deal because even if he's not on an in, invited to an NBA training camp in the fall, what he's done now is put good film on there. So now you go overseas. Now you play well overseas. Now you come back to summer league next year as a, even more of an improved player, and maybe now you get your shot, your, your your training camp invite. And he might get one this year. I'm not saying he's not going to get one. He might get one this year, but it's he's put himself on a, on a very very good track. They trust him already on the court. That's a big deal in the NBA. And so, uh, kudos to 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 Josh Adams for um, you know is coming out and balling and, and, and being confident and, and doing things that we, that he knew that he could always do. So uh, a lot of very good and very interesting things going on with the Nuggets in summer league. Uh, we'll see what happens with them as they, as the games continue. Uh, but certainly summer league isn't all. It's been kind of a, you know, it's been an eventful off season for them you know, in, in, in a number of areas, one of which obviously you had the entire Dwayne Wade, uh, situation, which was, uh, which was very interesting. And it was, I think for the nuggets, the nuggets felt it was certainly a worthy shot to take and they had to kind of take it. The question always was, is how would he fit into the basketball team if he were to sign? Uh, but I, I think from a standpoint, you know, that was a situation where the nuggets were fully, um, well, they were fully aware and fully uh, they knew that they would just get that figured out if and when he was on the roster, that they would have a surplus of two guards and that would just be something that they would have to get get worked out. And somehow it would. And, uh, you know, for the Nuggets, I, I think it was a, a worthwhile shot. I think the one thing that you have to look at when you're looking at this configuration of, of executives with the Nuggets, uh, you know, Tim Conley as a GM. Arturis Kanishevis uh, at the assistant GM, obviously Josh Kroenke uh, entrenched as the uh, president uh, and governor of the team. Uh, is there, you know, they are not resigned to the fact of, okay, well, things didn't work out free agency wise in the past, so we're not going to try anything in the future, or we're not going to take big swings in the future. They don't have a small mindset. And I think for Nuggets fans, Honestly, that ought to be pretty encouraging. You know, I you know, there's a lot of skepticism kind of every time every single time the Nuggets name is attached to a bigger name free agent as to 
why they're in it or what their chances are or this is, you know, it's, but I, I, I just, I think that the, when you're talking about culture change, it's not just on the court. It's also off the court and it's, it's within the organization. It's an organization that looks at itself and says, yeah, you know what? We believe that we can take the shot and get the, you know, uh, a big name free agent in here. Now they haven't yet. Uh, but I, it was certainly a very good good step that they were able to take in terms of getting that meeting in New York. Uh, I have to tell you, they, they thought that they were pretty close on a couple of occasions, on at least one occasion, uh, to getting the deal done. And that's a, I, I think it's a big thing. You know, it's uh, they have to establish that they will be one of the teams that free agents at least want to consider. They're going to be at the table. They're going to put themselves at the table. They're going to knock down the doors. They're going to make the calls. Or they're going to try to get the meetings as well. And I think that's a good thing because the first thing, you can't get anything done if you don't believe that you can get anything done. And that's not where this uh, this executive staff with the Nuggets uh, is. That's not their mindset. You know, they're, they, they're going to take big swings and it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of get things, uh, who they can get in the future. So, I, but I think the free agent success for the Nuggets is going to—it's going to first and foremost depend on what happens on the court. Because even if you, even if uh, free agent players like the organization, and let's just say they like the city, I, the, the city really wasn't an issue. Uh, certainly not with Dwayne Wade. It just wasn't an issue. I mean, you know, with Dwayne Wade, the issue was a he played for Miami for 13 years and probably wanted to go there first, but just didn't feel that he felt that love reciprocated to him. And then B, the other team in the mix was his hometown. So you know the you know the hometown team. If the hometown team was going to come within a few million dollars of what the Nuggets offer was, which was by far the best offer, then obviously home city ends up winning in that scenario. So, it, you know, the city of Denver wasn't a factor at all in this, uh, in, in that situation. Hometown for Dwayne Wade was. The hometown wins sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. That's just the way that goes. But for the Nuggets, with future free agents, what they are able to show on the court is going to be a big thing. It's going to be a big season for them in terms of how they're able to operate in free agency next year because they have to show a turn for winning. And there's just no two ways to put that. They have to win basketball games on the court. If they're not winning basketball games uh, on the court, then free agencies aren't free. Free agents aren't going to look at them next summer and say, well, that's a viable place. So they have to continue to, they started, uh, they got laid a good foundation last year. Uh, you know, Tim Conley likes to, uh, we've heard him often say that they were a tough out and they were, uh, but now they're going to have to turn some of those tough outs into tough victories. And not that they have to be a 50-win team, but they certainly have to continue to be headed in that right direction. So now a free agent next year, because the money will be big again, and you know, looks at them, says, okay, the money's there. Am I contributing to something that now my contributions will get us to a next level? So for them, if they make the playoffs this year, then uh, maybe it's being uh, a, a second round playoff team. Or if they don't make the playoffs this year, but we're near miss, maybe it's getting to that playoff level uh, and then headed towards something that sh- that that the free agent can say, okay, I can see contending team in this team's future. I want to sign up for that. And so that is why this season in particular is going to be huge uh, for the Nuggets for on, on a number of fronts one of which is free agency. They're doing everything they can on the backside of that, which is 
uh, you know, from the moment these guys come in out of the draft, they're showing them the city now. Uh, they're taking a dinner. They're they're doing different things to make sure that these uh, prospects and these players, even if they're not drafting them, know that years down the road, hey, I had a good experience in Denver. Uh, I had a good experience with these executives. Uh, this is a situation where I will give real consideration to if and when I'm a free agent. And so they're starting. They've already started that, and that's not just been this year. It's been in, in previous years as well. But now the court has to help them catch up. And, and the court situation is winning games, and it's just that plain and simple. So uh, we'll see where the Nuggets uh, will go from here. Uh, so much more to talk about and discuss with you. Uh, this is the first of many podcasts on the Locked On Sports Network. Christopher Dempsey and Locked On Nuggets. Uh, last thing before I uh, let you go for this episode of Locked On Nuggets, uh, just really want to quickly touch on uh, some of the coaching changes, and I know there's a lot of chatter out there as to what it means, uh, you know, kind of what's going on. Is it normal? Is it not normal? Uh, you know, this is there's a lot of change in the NBA, and so the Nuggets right now have experienced uh, three moves. One of which was Chris Fleming, who went to Brooklyn. Uh, that was just a straight move to a better situation for him in terms of he's a higher level assistant with Brooklyn. Uh, his uh, a, the the coach there is a good friend of his, uh, so that was a situation where permission was granted, and you know he he left for a better situation. No no NBA team anywhere will hold back a coach from advancing in in his profession. So uh, that's just what that was. Um, no. Uh, the situations with D Brown and Ed, Ed Pinkney are developing or continuing developing situations. Um, but there certainly there continues to be attrition on there. I don't think if we're, I don't think the evaluation ought to be, there are huge issues within the Nuggets organization. That's just something that, uh, just is not true. I certainly don't know to be true. Um, you know, I, I guess, and part of this is a college back. I have a college background. Uh, covered a lot of college for a lot of years. University of Colorado, even Colorado State, um, and so you see uh, some years huge coaching changes on staffs uh, with teams, and it's just something that maybe I'm a little too used to. Uh, but certainly, you know when things are. Uh, very, very wrong within an organization, and that's just not present with the Nuggets. Certainly, uh, there are a few uh, um, a few coaches that have uh, departed the staff. Uh, there are some new ones that are that are on the way, and they still have a couple of hires to make. Uh, but the the Nuggets, by and large, in terms of it, are are they stable in that area? The, the answer is the answer is yes to that. The answer is yes, and um, so, you know, Michael Malone has uh, put together a bunch of guys that. And a staff that, um, you know, uh, will 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 continue to solidify and continue to, um, you know, be defensive oriented and all those things that he wants them to be. Uh, it's not a situation where you know it's things things are falling apart. I've I've seen those situations in the past, and, and certainly this isn't one of them. But we'll definitely continue to monitor that situation. Appreciate you all for uh, tuning in, listening to this edition the first of many i'm very excited to take this journey with you and uh, we'll do it again soon christopher dempsey nuggets locked on nuggets